everything old is new again. America's entertainment pop culture talk show. It may well possess a rudimentary intelligence. I'm trying to think, but nothing happens. Felt the great disturbance in the force. Hello, I'm Mr. Ray. Come on, Mark, like a dog for me. Where's the goodies? Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. I bet you wouldn't have done anything like this if Mom and Dad were here. You filthy criminal. Excuse me while I whip this out. Go ahead. Make my day. Here are your hosts, Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. And when I've gone around talking about broadcasting history, I'll start telling a story, and people in the audience swear that they know how it ends. And I'm talking about something half a country away. But the experience is This so is common, Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents. Welcome to Everything Old is New Again. Yes, every week, week in and week out, brand new shows. We are here this week, sans David Cohen, but uh, that's okay. We have a terrific co-host for the week to take us behind the Welcome. scenes of the radio station. And he's a program director. Uh, he's also a guest. He's also a show host. He's a gentleman that's celebrating his 40th year in radio. So who better than to ask everything and anything about the behind the scenes back Everything Old is New Again, talking all things radio with Jeff Stein from KXEL. Jeff and, Stein, uh, now you, you got to hang in there a few minutes because we've got a intro for Jeff Stein here. We uh, got to get an order. Uh, let you know who this gentleman is. Uh, everyone and, in Iowa, everyone in Iowa knows who he is. But for the rest of us, he's an author, totally Iowa.com. I think he's the one to go to, right? 2011 recipient of the National Award of Merit from the American Association for State and Local History. He's recognized as the foremost broadcast. And even if you don't know this floppy, by the way, the floppy is a sort of a puppet on that history. Dwayne Ellett in Iowa had a show for about. 30 years in stations. He's cartoons. also the morning host in the studio. The morning show from 9 to 11. I believe on KXEL. Show He's written a book. You, you don't have to know this particular of puppet in this particular host. It's, uh, it's universal. What's talked about in this book? Only one to take a look at how radio and television and their impact in the state of Iowa can have one week in June. The Iowa floods of 2008 that particular area is a really great book. Speaking of that, I was influenced by radio and radio. Growing show up, going on uh, go to car trips with uh, my parents and coming Jeff back Stein from skiing, what the floppy doing, show? We, uh, I would really force them doing to that. put on. He's also had done a number of the family was listening to this for uh, winning radio for the hour, and they were just great shows. I don't know from if Jeff you're so aware of it or not. Maybe it's a little dated. It's from the daily interview. We've done some shows on it. We've had a couple of people. Paul Hecht himself and and many other news breakers on those episodes on the show. And we've had a great time with that. But I play that because I wanted. Back. Illustrate how radio has evolved from Jack Benny, which we'll talk about a little bit, through Gene Shepard, Bob and Ray, through Radio Mystery Theater, which was the last gasp of radio dramas. Put it this way, if anyone stayed around after that comedy, all kinds of entertainment on the radio, we did them out already. Now you started radio, it does the tender age of 17, which is something that I wanted to do, but was turned away because everyone at the time said, what's crazy, why made you 
do that? Why did you want to get into radio at that age? And how did you do it? Fourteen hundred. It was a complete aversion to hard work. Talk radio in the U.S. That's quite a few. Fifty states. How is it so successful and why? A lot of questions there. I didn't want to go work in the cornfield in the hot summer sun. I didn't want to carry groceries. Adopting FM radio. It's not music sounds solid work, but music sounds better on FM. And so the idea was, what could I do where I could sit in air conditioning and talk? So if you're going to listen to music, you tend to listen to FM. Well, then, you know, in the 1980s, AM stations trying to figure out what to do. And they figured that their larger signals and the closest radio station to the very small town where I grew up was 20 miles. I tend to call spoken word radio because it could be everything from went to the radio station and being a dumb kid. Menus in the morning, they still do the service notices, the obituaries, and with people on a Saturday and afternoon. And they well, have interviews. It might and be a uh, talk, political person, talk. And I walked and in and really nicely I suited for spoken on a word radio. Corona manual and so that's at home. sort of and how that to the general manager uh, when he came in Monday. There was a little note that he seems like a nice young man. Many AM stations fought it. And two months went by, and I didn't hear if he can't beat him. So I figured, all right, and reasonably things had changed. Coming up, because I can't find any easier way to make a living. Just right before you talk about how it Leave, Let's just look at the smidge of Jack Benny, which I know is an influence to you, and I want to get and him so in, and then tell us how it came from I had done this kind of a program to where we are now, just like as a little clip to, so to get us going. Well, thought, get a load oh, yeah, of him. Maybe, he talks to Austin Wells for two minutes, and my English ain't good enough for him. You will be wire copy from the teletype machine that shows you was 40 years ago. I read into a microphone that recorded into a real-to-real player, and they said, well, he's pronouncing everything correctly, and that was it. I started filling. Well, doing I may have cast, one of these days. I'll dream about my own play by play. Well, you do. And I well, stayed on, on the weekends until it was time to, to go to college, and then would come back on breaks and in the summer. Working in radio and in for Iowa us City, younger folks, college, Phil Harris is the voice of Blue in uh, Jungle uh, Book, and that's again going back to the 60s and unto itself. In but that clip goes to the late 40s, and Phil Harris did develop into his own show very successful as well. So we're just kind of going through when radio was there a little bit here. But just wanted to give a little bit of a touch of that's where we were. And again, Jeff Stein, tell us a little bit more about how we progressed to where we are now from that. You have to understand that in the days before television, radio was like television. In other audience. words, your maybe it's the television to heavy schedule now, but there's something a about time lineup. You know, I've done many have, other things. I don't know the college westerns, but there are crime dramas and comedies and journalism, all manner of there, dramas and practicing law. But that's what the radio schedule syndicated was. programs. They didn't just play long blocks of music, although that was this component of it. But there were full shows at that time. And it's filling some sort of need that we have, and we have it for different reasons for sure. Some of us want to get into it to do them. straight news, Where some want to do politics, some want to do sports, some want to entertain, whatever it might be, was the new you have some drive inside so of you, where it comes from, I know where it comes from for me, but it's, it's different for everybody, and, and it's just some kind of something you've got that you say, I have something to offer for some other people to listen besides my kids who are going to ignore me and my wife who will scoff So when you get the microphone, all of a sudden, people will listen to what you have to say. Mary Livingston is some degree they have no choice other than to turn a young no, tenor, and again, quote, unquote, when you're young, Dennis Day before and that growing Kenny up, Baker would do and a song from hearing Phil the Harris show, this, other band, this is your history, with a band number. You these guys so on the radio, and at the time, it was virtually like all was in Boston. These guys on the radio, it progressed to more of what we would call a situation comedy, confidence, and that's when the transition to television is really great. And then you actually get into a radio show, get behind the curtain, a very different radio show. Robert Young was glamorous in the radio version and TV, but the radio version, and it's even more sarcastic. It's even more so now. 
Angeles because has much more of an email. attitude, but they and knew there that, that are wouldn't chat translate or to television because you had Twitter. to in the old days. The people had to pick up a landline phone because you would and place a call. And so, and so the they father knows really best dedicated. here on the radio. Well, now they're dedicated the same father knows best. So you get all that you of this see on television, feedback. even though it's the same cast. Some not so good. Lucille Ball was all valuable because my favorite husband on radio. You're talking to and they wanted to move into TV. When and she refused unless Desi Arnaz was cast as myself talking into a microphone. We're doing because this because his dialect was so strong. Me to see you, so we're having work. this conversation. But on I actually, see who I'm talking you to. It's a very different thing. But normally, you're just by yourself. The character and to and have so a reminder that there is someone listening to someone on the other end. And literally, that really the very last quote network radio shows aired in late 1961. And then all of a sudden, it was just filled with what really you have in that wound up being music. Human being and that's on the other end of the line. And you forget that sometimes. Right. And there is the desire to, in the 60s and 70s, uh, for lack of a better word, to help FM others or to communicate with themselves. others. So really, AM it is very intimate. It is a way that when I grew up, absolutely, we all have this. If we're listening to radio right now, we all have this. We've had people that have affected us for Some national, certainly we hear. We know national personalities distinctly. Uh, Limbaugh and, and I turned on to Gene Shepard that uh, night. You know, they just and I heard Gene Shepard with that presentation and so forth. Of a, of a kid's but we also story, to put a smile on my face local and help me in a really very important as well. And so the local person is a, really and and so the local person a is a quote celebrity and creating original content for the local person. And there are shows that go beyond just local and seem like they're local. Like I'm going to say everything was new again. In some ways, in that we try to go across all. Uh, after doing the, the, the you know, geographic whatever, you know, areas to the park, and, and that's because so we're a weekend show and I want to talk a little bit about Ray, and weekend we have that versus day. weekday we show that fun but let me just to get one listening more on the transistor radio it's so personal and so it's so rewarding you know and radio is so portable in that you used to put a radio on in the bathroom you're getting ready in the morning it's by the nightstand that's how you wake up in the morning it's the only thing in the car with you to keep you company during a commute, and it is that intimate relationship that you just can't simply have with television. And I still do television every day. See, and now I yes, know how everything old is new again got on KXEL because we're tagline, the newest on the one is that we're trying to bring fun to radio and make radio is, fun again. Radio just so now, <laughs> uh, just sort of joking around there with Jeff Stein, but the idea is right. that really played till when? When was that? Skills. Skills. Another 50s? And, uh, 50s into the 60s. broadcast, you have to work And again, you know, because of the concept I've got visual. You want people to be a part of it. You want people to be a part of the audience. And so when you say as part of a tagline, we're making radio fun. It can be. This is one, the one of the fallacies of spoken word radio or talk radio or is that it has to be serious and it has to be well, someone you're yelling radio, at you all the time. You don't and want silence. There's a place for everything. And in you the have programs that I do, I don't do a talk how show with callers. I do that picture. Unfortunately, I hate to see this wig off the commercial. We're going to be right back with Jeff Stein. So I think we're going to have Floppy say so long to you all say goodbye. And there are other times And I think it all works because of the fact that our lives are that way, right? You pick up a newspaper in the old days. How many sections did it have? It wasn't just one thing. And I think that spoken word radio today to be responsive to the community should be a lot of different things with the overall tie in my case being that I'm the one doing the interviews. So you might be a national author. You might be a national radio show host. You might be somebody from the local 4-H group. But the common tie is I'm bringing these people 
to an audience that I hope trusts me to present them with uh, information that's worthy of their two hours investment. And that's very well said right on the dot because we're going to be right back after this and everything old is new again to uh, continue one more segment with Jeff Stein talking all things radio. Backstage, noble wife. The story of America's... You're listening to Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. A horse-drawn cart of scrap drew up behind a motorcyclist at a railroad crossing gate. The horse proceeded to drool on the cyclist, (laughs) sitting there on his big Harley, minding his own business. So... He got mad, it says here. Gave the horse his best elbow shot right to the horse. <laughs> right in the process, when he when he lifted up his uh, arm to give this horse an elbow shot, he let go of his clutch. <laughs> and his motorcycle lurched forward, little Tommy, into the car in front of him. Meanwhile, the horse, who has just been punched in the face, Rears up, dumps uh, the load of scrap onto the car behind, which rolled (laughs) backwards under the weight and rammed the front of yet another car on the line. Seeing this chain reaction, a passing dog walker tied his terrier to the railroad gate and went to help out. (laughs) But the train had passed, and the gate went up, pulling the dog 20 feet in the air. (laughs) There we go. Welcome back to Everything Old is New. Again, I figured I'd open up with a classic uh, DJ, they call him. I, I think he's more than that. Larry Lujak from uh, Chicago. He's an influence there with Johnny Edwards, some animal stories. And we're here with Jeff Stein of the legendary KXEL. And we're trying to uh, discuss radio, behind the scenes of radio. What's the influence of a gentleman that has been on the radio for 40 years? So uh, the question is, and I know the answer, but I'll say, what influence, if any, does uh, this gentleman, uh, Larry Lujak, have on Jeff Stein? Well, it's funny that you play this because, again, kid growing up in the Midwest, we would listen to various radio stations and you could bring in the big time Chicago station. So AM 89 WLS in Chicago originally, you know who started WLS? What company? No. Sears Roebuck. Uh-huh. And WLS, they said, stood for world's largest store. <laughs> Now, you have to understand that these days you can ask for call letters. Back then, they just assigned them. And Sears decided, we'll make WLS fit. And so they called it the world's largest store station. And the segment you played with Larry Lujak, who was a native Iowan, by the way, grew up just down the road from where I'm sitting. He was there with Tommy Edwards. Tommy Edwards was the midday guy. Literally, you don't know this, but two hours before we started talking, I interviewed Tommy Edwards about his new autobiography. He spent more than a half century in radio. He was the voice for the Chicago Bulls, PA. So he was the one who came up with the big uh, introductions for Michael Jordan and all those historic teams in the 90s. Uh, But Animal Stories was a segment that they did just kind of, for lack of a better phrase, kibitzing in between the two shows. And they wound up producing. And this shows you the impact of radio. They played that in the morning live, and then it would replay at different times during the day because it was so popular. Because, again, Lou Jack was this huge figure in the 70s in Chicago at a couple of different stations. But then they would take the best of them and put them on record albums. 
And so there was a series of WLS Animal Stories record albums that they sold to benefit children's charities. So what started as just kind of a dumb little filler on radio became a way to raise money for kids because it was so popular with the audience. And, and, you, that's, and that's just a fascinating impact of radio. And then you were a kid at some point listening or, you know, at some point listening to him. And were you uh -huh. thinking to yourself, you know, this is a buddy of mine. You, like you, you have this personal relationship and maybe it helps you develop your, your personality a little bit or at least what you like and don't like. I know he was a little cranky at times, too. And we'll get to that. But he basically said, I am who I am. And that's he lays it right out. Right. Absolutely. And there were people like that around the country you know, at, at different places. And the, it's a sense of counterculture almost. I mean, you're playing top 40 music in, in Lou Jack's case, you're playing top 40 music on a station in Chicago, an AM station as FM is making its rise. How counterculture can you really be? But there was just enough of an edge. There's just enough of a sense and Letterman brought it to television, the sense of, all right, we all know it's a joke. We're in on the joke. We're all in this together, kind of making fun of ourselves. The Animal Stories segment actually began with Tommy Edwards being in the studio doing his prep work and Larry Lujak vamping off live commercials. And then he'd bring Tommy in on it and they'd start making fun of the sponsor. And the station management said, yeah, you can't do that. You can't make fun of the advertisers. So they stopped and then said, oh, we're not supposed to make fun of these. The advertisers called and said, let them go. People remember the spots. Right. They remember our names. And so it just organically grew. If you and I decided we were going to do a radio show and we said, all right, we're going to have this funny little bit that we do and we're going to call it this and call it that, it's going to flop. But when something happens organically like that, it just came out of nowhere and it just became a, a huge, huge success that, again, people of a certain age still talk about fondly. And, you know, another thing I've noticed myself with David, we try to be humorous here and there and characters and whatever we do. And uh, what we do does come, these characters just came out of just us talking and having it be organic and not trying to be funny. Now, whether we're funny or not is for someone else to decide. But for us, we're getting a kick out of it. We're having fun with it. And it's, it's again, it's it's us enjoying ourselves not trying to say a punchline and i think that's what larry was doing a lot and before i get to that let me pay a real click quip hello a real quick clip uh, of larry explaining a little bit of his personality on the radio i was trying to be what everybody else was like on the radio in those days and i figured gosh that was too hard it was just a whole lot easier to just be me. And so I think him, Imus, Howard Stern, some others brought about something different in radio, at least in my perception, from, let's say, the 50s to the 80s, let's say. I think there was a little transition there where you didn't have to be perfect in your enunciation and your presentation the way, by the way, Jeff Stein is all the time. I want to ask you about that. But, uh, or at least appears to be, certainly compared to myself. Uh, but the question is... And the statement is interesting that he says, let's just be who we are, and that will propel the show to a successful uh, conclusion, if that makes sense. A lot of people can put on a big DJ voice, and they can introduce a song, and they can tell you something that they read on the, the record jacket or the CD liner, or I, however it's delivered today. Boy, I sound ancient, don't I? However it's <laughs> delivered these days here on the radio machine. But if you're on the air for multiple hours a day, and most of most disc jockeys were on the air for four hours or more a day, 
And you, I, we did this back in 1980 at the station I started at in Marshalltown. We were trying to figure, because we were playing 45 RPM record, and you had to drop the needle literally on the record each time. And the boss was saying, you know, these records are getting all scratched and you guys aren't careful. And we said, well, we're playing the absolute heck out of them. So we, we tried to figure it out. And it was a station, Douglas, that played uh, adult contemporary music during the day and top 40 at night. And so you might have in 1980 an artist like Michael Jackson that transcended both charts. And there was a softer song. It was called She's Out of My Life, which we loved because it had like a 35-second intro. You could read the whole weather forecast over the top of the intro to the record. And it was calm. It was an inoffensive song. Perfect for everyday part. We figured out it was on the chart for literally uh, from like May to October. So it was on for six, seven months. And we figured it got played three to four times a day. So first of all, the record's going to wear out. But second of all, you have to have creativity to think of a unique way to introduce that song for the fifth time this week, the umpteenth time over the course of however many months. And yeah, you can have that big voice and that sense of um, I'm reading what was written. But that's going to keep you only at a certain level. In order to set you apart, you have to inject some personality. You have to let people know who you are. Because with that many hours a week, the audience can smell a phony. They can tell if there's a real human being on the other end of the phone or on the other end of the, uh, of the microphone as if it's a phone. Or if it's somebody who's just, uh, you know, punching the clock, getting the paycheck, and likes to hear themselves talk. Exactly. You can definitely tell that. Let me hear a little something of this here. What is this? Is that the station you're talking about? That's it. That is it. And, you know, for people (laughs) listening across the country, if you listen to a station that had three call letters that began with a W, that station jingle may have sounded just like that because there, there were very few jingle producers. One was Jam Production, one was Pam's, and that da-da-da-da-da, well, it could be W-something else. And so that jingle may sound really familiar with different letters because the experience was replicated across the country. Right. And how about weather? Is it going to be cold? Is it going to be hot? Is it going to be raining or not? Stay tuned to wonderful KXPL and see what the weather is going to be. Now, we have to be careful here. We're not going to make fun of that at all. We're going to admire that for what it was in its day, right? What was that? 70s, 80s? I don't know. Earlier? 50s. 50s. 1950s. And and I'll make fun of it because I gave it to you. It's my station, so I can make fun of it. But, right. uh, you know, if you think of the 1950s and it's a time when music is progressing from big band into what became rock and roll and you've got to have some marketing whatever to call yourself wonderful. Right. I mean, that was the slogan. Wonderful KXCL. We're not just pretty good. We're wonderful for crying out loud. I should bring that back before we play the weather. <laughs> well, this is what you should bring to introduce yourself every day. <laughs> Here are the scores of the games that were played today. Tomorrow's sports page without delay. The latest report on your favorite sport. It's the KXEL Scoreboard Review. Wet your whistle, boy. You hear that? It's like Pavlov's dog. You can't wait to hear the scores. <laughs> and, and, and the thing is, it leads up to something, right? The person behind the mic had better deliver. That's you, right. You've got to have some energy if you're going to follow that as the setup. I mean... But that's the thing that that during that transitional phase, 50s into the 60s, you had a lot of big band sound with these sounders and jingles. 
because again, that was the music that was popular and radio was now starting to compete against television. And so it had to be more of a production. And right. so there were all of these big elements uh, and, and it's just so much fun for me to listen to those because again, that's part of the history. And we still do this kind of stuff today. We still have sounders and, you know, when you hear a certain sound, the audience is supposed to know, oh, I bet now the weather's going to play. We may right. not have a jingle singing it, but it's the same it's principle. And we have this sound. We'll be right back, right after this. And everything old is new again with Jeff Stein. This is Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... I'm E.G. Marshall. Our mystery drama, A Second Chance, was written especially for Radio Mystery Theater by Bob Juran and stars Paul Hecht and Bob Caliban. Uh, we're back and everything old is new again, talking all things radio with uh, Jeff Stein from KXEL. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you, he's an author of a great book called The Floppy Show. And, uh, you can get an autographed copy even if you go uh, and and go online. What is the website again for, to get that? I have a number of them. TotallyIowa.com, I think, is the one to go to, right? That would get you everything that I've done from the floppy book to the other broadcasting books. I think we have four of the books I've written there totallyiowa.com. And even if you don't know this floppy, by the way, the floppy is a uh, sort of a puppet that uh, Dwayne Ellett uh, in Iowa had a show for about 30 years uh, introducing cartoons and had kids in, in the studio. We did a whole show about that. Everything old is new again. Dot biz show 214. But I'll tell you, it, you don't have to know this particular puppet and this particular host. It's universal what's talked about in this book and to take a look at how an effect of a, a local individual can have how much an effect a local individual can have on the youth of of that particular area it's really great and speaking of that i was influenced by radio mystery theater growing up going on uh, car trips with uh, my parents and coming back from skiing or whatever we were doing i would force them to put on radio mystery theater before you know it, the whole family was listening to this for um, for the hour and they were just great shows i don't know if jeff you're so aware of it or not maybe you are it's, it's a little dated it's from the 70s we've done some shows on it we've had a couple of people uh, Paul Hecht himself and Bob Caliban who acted in over 200 of those episodes on the show and we've had a great time with that but I play that because I want to illustrate how radio has evolved from Jack Benny which we'll talk about a little bit through Gene Shepard Bob and Ray through Radio Mystery Theater which was the last gasp of radio dramas um, there used to be western science fiction stories comedy all kinds of entertainment on the radio the radio still entertains today it informs today but it does it in a different way from the perspective of a program director, tell us that evolution and why did it change the way it did? And finally, with talk radio, there's over 1,400, uh, for I understand, stations that are doing talk radio in the U.S. So that's quite a few for 50 states. Uh, how it, is it so successful and why? A lot of questions there, but I'll let you have the floor. Well, I'll take the last one first. And as people started 
adopting FM radio. It sound, the music sounds better, right? Music sounds better on FM because of high fidelity, a phrase we never use anymore, but it, it no static. So if you're going to listen to music, you tend to listen to FM. Well, then, you know, in the 1980s, AM stations tried to figure out what to do. And they figured that their larger signals and just was tailored to spoken word radio. I tend to call it spoken word radio because it could be everything from good community radio stations where they read you the lunch menus in the morning. They still do the service notices, the obituaries at midday, and they have interviews. It might be uh, sports talk, political talk. AM is really nicely suited for spoken word radio. And so that's sort of how that evolve uh, over the course of time. And many stations fought it. Many AM stations fought it. But, you know, at some point, if you can't beat them, join them. The and, reason things had changed. Go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to play a clip. And just just right before you talk about how it changed, let's just look yes. at a smidge of Jack Benny, which I know is an influence to you, and I want to get him in, and then tell us how it came from this kind of a program to where we are now, just as a little clip to, to get us going. Well, here. get a load of him. He talks to Orson Welles for two minutes, and my English ain't good enough for him. And don't say ain't. Heaven. Oh, stop with that highbrow stuff. What are you trying to do? Make me feel subconscious? <laughs> That's self-conscious. Gee, you're funny. You know, Phil, it's amazing that you haven't got your own program. Well, I may have one of these days. I often dream about my own show. Oh, you do? Well, maybe I can arrange for the Sandman to tear up your option and sprinkle it on you. And for us younger folks, uh, Phil Harris is the voice of Baloo in uh, Jungle Book. And that's, again, going back to the 60s and unto itself. But that clip goes to the late 40s. And Phil Harris did develop into his own show, very successful as well. So we're just kind of going through when radio was there a little bit here. But uh, <laughs> just wanted to give a little bit of a, a touch of that's where we were. And again, Jeff Stein, tell us a little bit more about how we progressed to where we are now from that. You have to understand that in the days before television, radio was like television. So in other words, you're... Your television schedule now has a primetime lineup that might have, I don't know that there are any Westerns, but there are crime dramas and comedies and all manner of dramas and things. That's what the radio schedule was. They didn't just play long blocks of music, although that was a component of it, but there were full length shows at that time, typically 15 minutes, but sometimes 30 minutes. And the reason radio changed, Douglas, is because all those radio folks moved to television. Jack Benny was among them where they had very successful radio programs and then television was the new hot thing. And so those shows moved with the same established stars and cast to a large degree to television. For example, uh, the Jack Benny program evolved over time from being Jack as master of ceremonies, in essence of a vaudeville show, because you'd have uh, Mary Livingston as the girl comedian You'd have the young tenor, quote unquote, ultimately Dennis Day before that Kenny Baker would do a song, Bill Harris and other band leaders with a band number. And so Benny was the host like he was in vaudeville. And ultimately it progressed to more of what we would call a situation comedy. And that's what made the transition to television. Uh, father Knows Best was a radio show, but it's a very different radio show. Robert Young was father in the radio version and TV, but the radio version, he is much more sarcastic he is, has much more of an attitude, but they knew that that wouldn't translate to television because you had to like the character much more because you would see them. And so the father knows best you hear on the radio isn't the same father knows best that you see on television, even though it's the same cast. 
Lucille Ball was in a program called My Favorite Husband on radio, and they wanted to move it to TV. And she refused unless Desi Arnaz was cast as her husband. He wasn't in radio because his dialect was so strong, it wouldn't have worked. But on television, you could get away with it more because you could see the character. And so all of these shows became TV shows. And literally the very last, quote, network radio shows aired in late 1961. And then all of a sudden, it was just filled with what you have. And that wound up being music. And that's how AM stations became predominantly music in the 60s and 70s, handed that off to FM and then reinvented themselves. So really, AM has reinvented itself three times in 100 years. Absolutely. And it, it still has and does develop personalities, some national. Certainly we hear, we know national personalities, uh, Limbaugh and, 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 and uh, you know, they just we can go on and on with, with that, Stern and so forth. But we also have the local personality, which is very important as well. And so the local person is a, quote, celebrity and cre- creating original content for the local person. And there are shows that go beyond uh, just local and seem like they're local, like I'm going to say everything old is new again in some ways in that uh, we try to go across all uh the, ge- the geographical uh, you know areas and and that's because it's a we're a weekend show and i want to talk a little bit about weekend versus weekday show but let me just hear one more clip here what is this whatever you do wherever you go you'll have more fun with the radio at home or in your car out on the bank See, now I know how Everything Old is New Again got on KXEL because we're tagline, the newest one is that we're trying to bring fun to radio and make radio fun again. So now <laughs> uh, just sort of joking around there with Jeff Stein, but the idea is that played till when? When was that? Another 50s? Uh, 50s into the 60s. And again, you know, the, the concept is you want people to be a part of it. You want people to be a part of the audience. And so when, when you say as part of a tagline, we're making radio fun. It can be. This is the, one, of the, one of the fallacies of spoken word radio or talk radio is that it has to be serious and it has to be somebody yelling at you all the time. And there's a place for everything. And in the programs that I do, I don't do a talk show with callers. I do an interview program. And sometimes I'll talk with someone like uh, Douglas D. Viviani and talk about uh, radio and uh, pop culture. And there are other times I'm going to talk to an elected official about a global pandemic. And I think it all works because of the fact that our lives are that way, right? You pick up a newspaper in the old days, how many sections did it have? It wasn't just one thing. And I think that spoken word radio today to be responsive to the community should be a lot of different things with the overall tie in my case being that I'm the one doing the interviews. So you might be a national author, you might be a national radio show host, you might be somebody from the local 4-H group. But the common tie is I'm bringing these people to an audience that I hope trusts me to present them with uh, information that's worthy of their two hours investment. And, and that's very well said right on the dot because we're going to be right back after this and everything old is new again to uh, continue one more segment with Jeff Stein talking all things radio. Next, Mary Backstage, Noble Wife, the story of America's... 
This is Everything Old is New Again, America's entertainment pop culture talk show with Douglas Viviani and David Cohen. Yeah, hey, some of the things coming up on the show, Roz, you're going to like this. I'm going to call my old high school and tell them what jerks they are. This is in Rockville Center, right? Southside. I'm going to call there. Uh-huh. I'm going to call, um, maybe we'll call out for some Chinese, you guys. <laughs> And we're going to call Newsday. Okay. Because they got my name wrong in the paper. They called me Harvey Stern. Thanks a lot. <laughs> All right, Roz, now do your thing. Thanks, Harvey. There we go. This is Douglas Viviani uh, with Jeff Stein, author of many books, but one that I suggest, uh, well, they always suggest them all, but one I have in my hands that I love is The Floppy Show by Jeff Stein, and get uh, involved with that at totallyiowa.com. You can see all of his books. He's a historian of, of broadcasting. We're going through that. He's also a gentleman that was a teacher. He also has a morning show on KXEL. He also has a show that uh, presents uh, Iowa in, interests and in, in interesting stories on Satoshi. 12 uh, stations in, in, in Iowa, is it, Jeff? The Almanac? 29. Now 29. Wow, wow, wow. See that? Uh, yeah. So it's growing. I'm, like all, I'm all that. I am all that in a bag of chips, my friend. <laughs> That's <29. tremendous. laughs> I love it. Uh, we're, we're all enjoying a discussion of radio. There's so much to talk about. That's a little bit of Howard Stern uh, in New York, 1983, when he first started out. You probably don't recognize him because he's totally different now. He was clean and straightforward at that point and, and just uh, trying to bring some fun to the radio. And, uh, you know, everyone evolves. We all evolve. Uh, but I I think when he went to serious things changed him a little bit but it doesn't matter he is certainly a hall of famer to me uh um, whether you like him or not he changed some of the face of radio uh, and as did others that we've talked, talked about today and your local personalities have and we're trying to figure out why is that how is that uh, but radio has cultivated uh, what would you say personalities that have presented to us radio programs that are appointment radio uh, if you, if we can say that, and we, I define that as a sh- short show that, hey, it's Saturday at 12 or whatever, I got to tune into that show. So that's something, most of the time you tell me, of course, that's the morning shows. Uh, that's for sure. Everybody gets up and goes to work and listens to their favorite morning show. Used to be afternoon shows. I'm, I, I think it still is, but that's more national shows. And then you've got weekend programming. Tell us as a program director, what's the difference and what's the goal of a radio station with respect to weekend programming with the caveat that we have a local station here, two of them, that are 50,000 watt stations and they do uh, like doctors buying time and these other stations and it's sort of, I don't want to, I hate to be critical of anybody in the radio, but it's this kind of the same thing over and over again because it's a paid commercial for an hour for a doctor or whatever it might be, real estate. Um, even a 50,000 watt station is doing that. So tell us a little bit about what's happening in the dynamic of weekend radio. You have to understand that people who are listening are on a different schedule on the weekends than they are on weekdays. And so the challenge is to be on the weekends true to your core mission so you don't alienate your weekday audience with something that's drastically different on the weekends. The other way to go is to simply say, we'll just sell it to the, to the highest bidder. And that helps underwrite the cost of everything. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that. If somebody's going to pay for the time, it's no different whether it's a 60-second commercial or, in essence, a 60-minute commercial. And so one of the things we try to do is to have a few of the national hosts that you hear during the week. You hear what is optimistically called a best-of program on the weekend because if you're working during the week, you don't get to sample it. And so, therefore, there's a little of that on the weekend. But I also recognize on the weekend, sometimes people want to dial it back a little bit. So I might run an hour of a home improvement show. I might run 
uh, we can review ag program. I have a syndicated business program that runs for a half hour every weekend. Uh, we also, of course, have everything old is new again Sunday afternoons at five. Right after a travel show, which is right after a news magazine, which is right after a business show. So the concept is that on the weekends, your life is different. And so you're either in the car or out of the car or doing things in a different way. You might be thinking about, again, a DIY project or computers or whatever. And so you you try to have programs that fit very nicely for what the audience wants and it's a good taste of it. I mean, you'd get tired of talking about this topic five days a week. And, and it just, this way, it's a good, compact, 60 minutes, in your case, time period of a topic. And, it, and so it, it, it's just the right proportion at just the right time in somebody's life. I would dare say, and there may be stations that air your program, say, Monday morning at 10. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's what works for that audience. But for most people, it's a weekend program, and and again, it all everybody has a home, everybody has a place, right? And it also is something that uh, I've been told somewhat. Sometimes people hear about, then it brings into the station someone that may not necessarily listen or have in the past listened on the week uh, during the week, and here during our show and other weekend shows, commercials and and. Uh, presentation of what you're doing during the week and maybe the station stays on that uh, you know the dial stays on that station for monday morning uh, or they figured let me give it a shot i didn't know that uh, hannity was on in the afternoon in this in this program or on this station so let me do that i mean i guess it's a little bit of that too oh it, people often think that we put promotional announcements in just to fill because we didn't sell commercials and that's not the case at all you very deliberately carve time out I mean, your program has four segments. There's a commercial break for local stations in between each of them, and we carve out time in each one of those to play a promotional announcement. So if someone is listening to you and David Sunday afternoons at 5 on KXEL, I want them to know that I'm on the next day from 9 to 11. I want them to know that Rush is on live where he's taped on other stations weekdays at 11 in our time zone. So we do the same thing, though, say on Thursdays and Fridays, where we promote our weekend programming during the weekday. So, again, we want to try to stretch the audience. So you're exactly right. If someone by appointment listening is listening to your program, I'm glad and I want them to listen to my station even more. And how do I do that? I tell them what's here. Right. And I guess we can go from there to talking a little bit about uh, to me, the a dirty word in, in radio, but it's not because it, it, it illustrates the difference and the beauty of radio are podcasts, which are have, uh, you know, they're everywhere and everyone does one. There are some that are done nicely. Joe Rogan, let's say, does a, a nice podcast. Most of them are uh, they just don't seem to have a direction and, and they're sort of meandering. And that's fine. If you want to listen to that, that's fine, too. It's extra work uh, to, to sift through all of those. But how does radio navigate through i'm going to call it the competition of podcasts the way that radio does that is to say if people are listening it's audio okay so if they like listening to that kind of audio at least they're listening to audio and there's a better chance that they're going to listen to the radio and so sometimes what you do is promote each thing so for example Every interview that I do on the radio, we also podcast so that if you've missed it or you want to hear it again, you can listen to it again because I want you on my brand. Maybe my brand is KXEL Radio. Maybe it's KXEL.com. 
steal my brand. For the syndicated things that I do, there are many stations for the Iowa Almanac, which is the two-minute-long This Day in History. Sometimes my stories take more than two minutes to tell. And so I have on my website, iowaalmanac.com, the full version. So if you listen to it on your local station and you want to hear more, you go to the website. So what you try to do is to think of what's different other than just simply repurposing the very same thing. Uh, I do a, a daily commentary. If you missed it in the old days, you missed it, right? I wasn't in the car then. I didn't hear it. Well, now there's the podcast. And so what we hope to do by having the podcast is to lead you to listen um, more regularly. Uh, but we also do, you know, there are things that are separate podcast only. And to me, to your point about, you know, some of them just kind of ramble and meander. Yeah, that's fine. What radio stations try to do is first get your current content out there because then it exposes a different audience to it. But then think about, okay, what could I do that's different? And it may be a longer form of an interview or it may be an expansion of a topic that you just didn't have time for on the radio. And that is what you do is you embrace it. You can't fight it. You, you might as well embrace it and realize I'd rather have them listening to something than watching something because that's not what I do on a regular basis. But also, I think acknowledging that there is a difference between radio and a podcast, for the most, most part, podcast is going to be that, that show about Star Trek, and they're just going to talk about Star Trek every week, sure. every show, every whatever it might be, or whatever you know, the, the particular topic is. Many of them are garnered or geared towards that, not all, but many are that way. Uh, and that's fine, uh, but radio is more intimate in that it's, it's immediate now. What happened today, you're going to hear about on your morning program, you're going to hear about today's events, today's whatever's happening, whatever you're presenting, you're going to hear about it today. And so that's immediate, and you're not going to get that from the podcast. And again, we want people to listen. I, my statistics that I'm hearing is like something like 50 million people listen to the radio in America in, in a week. So it is. I don't think we've heard all different kind of things about radio up and down. I don't think it's dying or going anywhere soon. Maybe you could uh, tell me one way or the other. No, you're exactly right. The numbers show that even with all these podcasts, it's actually boosting radio listening. The The amount of people who listen to the radio has not gone down. In fact, and this is very encouraging, the younger people, what do we call them now, Gen Z, I guess, <laughs> the younger people in that teenage, early 20s, they actually listen to the radio, real life radio, more than the generation that just passed. So the younger folks are, if you will, rediscovering regular old radio uh, because there's something that's that's very random about it talk about a, a music station if you have a playlist or you have we used to say mixtapes that's how old i am mixtapes or here's your cd or whatever it is well you know what you're going to get because you put it in there that was kind of cool to be your own disc jockey but when you listen to a radio station you have no idea what you're going to hear and the randomness is apparently very attractive to the younger generation. And if that means that radio has yet another life when uh, uh, reports of, this, of its demise were overstated, then so much the better. And uh, the reports of the demise of everything old is due again are understated, except for that we're done for this week. But we will be back next week with Jeff and uh, continue some more discussion of radio. Hopefully you're enjoying it. I know I am. We'll be back right after this and everything old is new again next week. But uh, listen, go to iowaolmanac.com. Go to totallyiowa.com and you'll find all different programming and entertainment from Jeff Stein. You're going to enjoy it. Everything old is new again. We'll be back next week.